And hello, and welcome everyone, we're back again for another installment of Retro Hero Video, the special video book club that Matt and I do. Well, I was gonna say at the end of every month, but then we kinda didn't do it last month, and I thought we were supposed yeah. to do it two weeks ago, but we're doing it now, so when it does come out, it will be the end of the month. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of, kind of like just writing ourselves a little bit, yeah. and just like, okay... It's now back to the end of the month. Yeah, you know, so I'm not totally full of shit. Uh, eventually, what this show is just going to be is just going to be the whenever we need something to fill in when there's no news, I think, is what yeah. this show will ultimately be. And uh, on this week's show, everyone, we're taking a look at Fantastic Four World's Greatest Heroes, which is a show that a lot of people were super stoked to see us cover. Yeah, it's a show I've never seen before. Same. That's, of course, the big theme of this arc that we're going through. We did very special episodes, and now we're doing episodes of shows that we've never seen. And uh, this was the perfect time to do a Fantastic Four show because they're coming back in vogue in a real big way right now. They're kind of yes. blowing up. Yes, they are. Yeah. Yeah, we got the new Ryan North book that got announced just a couple weeks ago. He's going to be taken up after slot. He's got a lot of big ideas. We, we now know officially when the Fantastic Four movie is finally going to take place within uh, the MCU phases. Yep. It's a little further off than we thought, but we know that it's coming, which means we're probably going to be getting director and actor news soon. Well, we might have actually already gotten a director already attached. Yes, that's right. Who, who did they get? They got someone interesting, as they usually uh, do. They got the WandaVision guy, Matt Shackman. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I think he can do some really fun stuff with the, uh, with the material, yeah. right? Definitely. So yeah, it's it's a good time to be a Fantastic Four fan. It's a good time to visit this right here. But as always, you know, we're not going to just be looking at the show itself because, you know, we here at Retro Hero Video think of ourselves as cultural anthropologists. We need to also, you know, explore what was the time period that this show came out and what was culture like. And we're heading back to the heady days, Matt, of 2006, which I, I want to say we've actually kind of been here before, but I promise we won't be retreading uh, any old topics because it's September 2006 is where we're headed. Yeah, a little later in the year. Little, little later in the year. Now, as always, Matt, when we do this, I always try and start these off by saying, uh, what do you what do you think was number one on the charts at this time in September 2006? What uh, what were you blasting over in Australia? And I know your music scene is completely different than ours, but you know, some big hits are inescapable. Yeah, well, you'd say that, but like. Our music is generally the same as what what you guys over in Canada and the U.S. listen to. It's, it's true. basically the same. It's true. Sometimes you get some weird stuff there. You know, like the U.K. charts are usually mm. different than ours because there's some things that are like only big hits in the U.K. Yeah, yeah, very specific, uh, maybe U.K. centric. Yeah, uh, stuff. Yeah. Kind of more niche acts there. But uh, for this year. 2006 in, or yeah 2006 in September the number one hit song oh oh this one takes me back Matt it was bringing sexy back by Justin Timberlake oh oh what a time to be alive when JT brought sexy back <laughs> and thank God he did you know the sexy drought that you read about in history class you know I don't think we could have made it another year if Justin Timberlake no. did not painstakingly bring sexy back I know right yeah 
He was, of course, awarded uh, that same year with a Nobel Peace Prize uh, by the president for bringing sexy back. <laughs> Truly a humanitarian for everything he did. I'm bringing sexy back. Seriously, what? Like, the balls that it takes to say that is something like, yes, me personally right now am bringing sex back. You didn't even know it was gone until I brought it back. <laughs> and it seemed to work because it's an insanely popular song, even to to. to day sure is I, I would put this song right up there with like the return of the mac and the boys are back in town where it's like i don't even know who these people or things are but thank you for bringing them back <laughs> but yeah so that was the world of music as always from that we take a look at the world of movies uh what a weird time 2006 was in the hollywood landscape iron man is still two years away Yep. A lot of the big franchises are either wrapping up or in a weird kind of limbo state right now. The number one film, I'm not even going to ask you what this was, because there's no fucking way you would guess it. I couldn't guess it if you had a gun to my goddamn head. But the number one movie in the world was The Covenant. Ah, uh, yes, Rennie Harlan's crappy fucking boy band were they magic yeah were they vampires or wizards i've never seen the movie but i've seen the trailer a hundred times because it's yeah. attached to a movie i like yeah i i think the idea is that they're like like magicians or something i guess because covenant like, makes things families, like witch covenant their families were part of like a magician i don't, I don't know i just know sebastian stan is in it oh shit bad guy oh shit wow yeah. <laughs> humble yeah. beginnings am i right yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess we all got to start somewhere. But yeah, holy shit. This this movie is just pretty boys, but powers. And it's also kind of like the Lost Boys, too. Because, again, I've not seen the movie. I've only seen the trailer. It's like, oh, and they get into so many shenanigans. But, oh, there's an evil Covenant man after them. <laughs> Can you believe something like this could be number one? Only in a pre-superhero movie world, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, it hit all those key demos all those whole all those key demos of that time right which actually funny in my research for this because i was looking at like books and comics and what was being published <clears throat> the first twilight book came out this year too oh really yes when did the movie of that come out when did the first movie that that uh, not, wasn't that would have been like the year after or something yeah not for a while later because the book had just come out it wasn't like a smash hit yet i think it was more of a sleeper hit like it got bigger okay. later okay which is hard to believe to say that oh, it was a real sleeper hit you see <laughs> <laughs> again i kid i know we're not teenage girls we're not the demo and it's like friggin cliche in and of itself to shit on twilight now all this time later <laughs> yeah yeah we're we're better than that you know we don't always have to take the low-hanging fruit we can reach for higher <laughs> fruits to grab <laughs> Uh, now from there, we head into the world of television, and again, we've already done stuff from 2006 before. It's all fucking reality shows. That was anything anyone was watching in the pre-streaming world. But an interesting yeah. TV landmark that happened in September 2006 is, uh, the CW premiered and became the sixth network on American television. Yeah, WB turned over to the CW and has been that ever since. Yes, it sure has. In fact, maybe even until just now when it seems that, you yeah. know, new owners and financial problems, it might not actually be that by the time this video goes up. Nope, nope. But yes, the CW, the channel that gave us Smallville and all the other uh, DC uh, extended universe shows to think that it would end up becoming so important to people like us in the line of work that we are in. 
Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, huh. To think that I am wistful and nostalgic for a network where, again, I was almost certainly not the target demo <laughs> when it started. Say la vie, CW. Say la vie. Now, uh, in the world of video games, uh, the number one title this month, it, it was like a freaking Madden or something. It was a sports game, and I know you and I can't talk about that. But apparently the second most purchased game in the year 2006 is, very interestingly enough, Saints Row 1. Yeah, and which I think like the, the new one is like the most popular game at the moment. Yeah, of course, because it's the biggest title that came out right now for all consoles. Yeah, how funny yeah. is that? You and I are both playing the new Saints Row now, and Saints Row 1 was a big hit in 2006 when we're just talking about this now. Yeah, how about that? Yeah, you and I like the new game too. Everyone else is yeah. kind of shitting on it. It's getting like it... middling to bad reviews, but I keep saying, what did you want? I mean, it's exactly the same as the yeah. other games. It's just, like, set in, like, modern times. Yeah, it's just slightly different. And everything, people's like, oh, it's just a lot of shooting. There's not a lot of variety. Yeah, that was true for the first and second one, honestly. You're, you're only remembering three and four where there was, like, an embarrassment of riches well, and stuff. You know why? You know why? Because the people complaining only played three and four. Yeah, that's the feeling I'm getting. A lot of people are showing their age. And they're like, oh, you know, the jokes are bad and the characters are cringy. I'm like, motherfucker, play the first one again. They could not go three seconds without saying the n-word the first one is super cringe and the only one that saves it the only thing that saves it is they got really great character actors like daniel day kim and keith david to elevate these parts yes yes that is what saved the series and it's what they doubled down on in the sequels and everything Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. ironically too at a time when grand theft auto wasn't doing that because grand theft auto was like oh if we pay celebrity actors we gotta like pay them money and they want money. like residuals and shit yeah that's why it's super surprising for like uh the last grand theft auto 5 steven Ogg, uh the guy who plays trevor ended up yep. becoming a pretty big character actor star anyway around yep. the same time the game came out yeah yeah which makes me think, like, oh, fuck, you're never seeing Trevor again in anything else. Though, we technically saw him in Red Dead uh, 2 for, like, a second, so maybe he's cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so maybe Steve is cool. Maybe he'll uh, maybe he'll break that. But, uh, yes, from there we move on to the world of comics. And, again, it was 2006, so Civil War is all anyone is reading. 52 is all anyone is reading. We've talked about this. So, instead, I decided to grab us an issue of Wizard Magazine. Yeah, the old Wizard magazine. Yes, back before it was, you know, internet forms and YouTube videos and everything else. It was Wizard. This is where you got your comic news. And boy, mm -hmm. journalism in the comic space has not changed at all as I look at this. Nope. Nope. <laughs> it is all so much the same. They're calling this the biggest issue ever, which, you know, now would be the biggest scoop ever. Coming soon behind my Patreon paywall. <laughs> yeah. What is, of course, especially interesting about this is that they're already hyping up Fantastic Four 2, Rise of the Silver Surfer, which is in many reasons why this cartoon was commissioned. Yeah, I was going to say, this was around the time the second film was starting to yes. sort of ramp up, yeah. In fact, because of that movie, uh, Fantastic Four, World's Greatest Heroes, actually had a bit of a fucked up release schedule. They only aired the first eight episodes of like a 26-27 episode show, and then they stopped until the new movie came out. Oh, okay. So yeah, you want to wonder what's like, oh, why didn't this show make it? Well, kind of because they got jerked around like this. 
Yeah, that sucks. It kind of does, doesn't it? Uh, but yeah, we got Jessica Alba here on the cover, and uh, I love the little subheading there. Silver Surfer and Doom Return! Exclamation part. Uh, can Galactus be far behind? Obviously, yes, we would get Galactus, but it would not be the way you wanted. No, it'd be a big fart cloud in space. Which I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, Jesus Christ, why Why did they spend so much time and energy on Fantastic Four 2? And I'm like, oh, because there was no cinematic universes yet. We were happy to get this. This was all there was. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. This was our bread and butter. We were all excited about this. Uh, then under that, we have Alan Moore's steamy new sex comic. They're talking about Lost Girls, which I love that it's new at this time. Yeah, yeah. Samuel L. Jackson, the snakes on a plane interview. Yeah, remember when that was oh, like... Man. When that, that was movie. <laughs> Snakes on a Plane was like a meme before memes were things, right? They literally tried yeah. to meme a hit into like existence and it didn't work. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's 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 it was like Morbius before it was Morbius. It sure was. And then the final article that you can read in this great Wizard magazine from 2006, 50 greatest fights of all time, and it's Peter and the Chicken from Family Guy because that was still Gosh. a topical reference in 2006. That that just like complete. That's the thing that dates everything on this issue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not the Fantastic Four getting like a big cover story. The Family Guy reference is what dates it a hundred percent. Yeah. Was that the first or second time they got cancelled? Because people forget that Family Guy got cancelled a bunch before it became the big powerhouse that it is. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I saw that chicken picture of him fighting Peter, and I'm just like, I, I turned to dust. My bones turned to dust. I started walking with a cane, and I needed glasses to see. <laughs> I aged a hundred years. But uh, yes, everyone, with that trip down memory lane all said and done, we can actually hop into the show proper and yes it is fantastic for it is world's greatest heroes which is an interesting title would you not agree matt they're really selling it, it super hard it is yeah yeah I mean, the Fantastic Four are definitely one of the most important groups of heroes in comics. Lord knows if they definitely. didn't exist, Stan Lee probably wouldn't have stuck to doing comic books. They're the bedrock, essentially, of the Marvel Universe as we know it. But I think you'd be hard-pressed to have people tell you, especially people our age, that they're the world's greatest heroes. No, they're definitely not. I, I, I can see like why they chose that. Uh, subtitle because it sounds better than like the first family yeah. or something like that yeah because yeah you, you say first family we as comic fans obviously know what you're talking about but joe and jo jane schmo are like fucking first family what does that mean who's first family well the first <laughs> family of marvel and yeah the fantastic four i guess they don't have as many great like subtitles as like spider-man or the x-men do do they no no it's like first family was so great they didn't need any more after that yeah it's already perfect. Uh, so yeah, this this show is often regarded by a lot of people as like the anime Fantastic Four, and I assumed where it's like, oh, so it was made by a Japanese company, right? No, actually. Oh, okay. No, it was made by a French company. Mm, okay. It was made by a French company in conjunction with Cartoon Network Europe, so it was like a big co-producing deal. Okay. Now, as we will find out, this series definitely has some anime tropes and definitely some anime stylistic choices. But no, it is not yes. actually made by Japanese people. Okay, okay, I didn't, I didn't know that. I wonder if um, is this anything to do with that uh, one Iron Man mm. uh, 
series. I, I don't know when that one started. Oh, but when like, he's a teenager? Very, yeah, I Armored Adventures or something. Yes, it's that cool. wasn't yeah. until the first movie. That didn't come out till Okay, I, yeah. Which, yeah, but th this feels like 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 a proto to that. Right, which, shit, actually, add that to the list, Iron Man Armored Adventures. I forgot about that <laughs> one. There's another one. We'll do a whole kids arc where, you know, like, superheroes turn into kids. We'll talk about that. <laughs> we'll do that. We'll do Child's Play from Justice League. It'll be great. <laughs> now, interesting, too, is, you know, we're talking about Japanese influence. This is the only time ever where Reed Richards is actually played by a Japanese guy. Oh, really? Yes, Hiro Kano... His name is Hiro. I'm not going to butcher his last name. But yes, he's a Canadian-Japanese man who voices Reed. He's a very well-respected character actor here in Canada. In fact, uh, you know that Orphan movie that came out recently, Orphan the First Kill? Yes. Uh, he's yes. in that. Oh, okay. So he has been working for a very long time. In fact, hey, all the actors in this show are Canadian. <laughs> nice. They recorded this in Canada, which I think is also maybe one of the reasons why they call this the Anime Fantastic Four, because every actor who they got in this show does, like, uh, like anime dubs for, like, Ocean Studios here in Canada. Ah, okay. In fact, there's a great connection we'll talk about later when we get into the show proper. So, episode one is called Doomsday, fitting title. Bidding, yep. And uh, uh, this first episode is actually written by Christopher Yost, of course, you know, decorated comic book writer, creator, who's, I think, written for just about every goddamn superhero show under the sun. Not just uh, movies as well. He wrote uh, Thor The Dark World, Thor yeah. Ragnarok. He's done The Mandalorian. Oh, yeah. All real, sorts of stuff. Real accomplished guy. He's one of those people where it's like, even if you don't recognize his name, trust me, you've watched stuff that he's done. He's, like, worked for, like, basically the whole time I've been alive, he has been a constant mm -hmm. Christopher Yost. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, we're in New York City, where most of the Fantastic Four's adventures take place, and we see a lady who, I swear to Christ, I thought she was Aunt May, but nah, just a regular old lady who happens to be one of the Baxter Building's neighbors, and man, she really showcases how much it would suck living next to the Fantastic Four. It really, it really would, wouldn't it? Every week there's a supervillain attack or an alien invasion. In this case, they're not just aliens, they're extra-dimensional aliens. Yes, and they look like the aliens from Independence Day. They really do, don't they? I thought that was familiar. Yeah. So yeah, we see the Fantastic Four out in force uh, dealing with the problem. We see Ben Grimm, the Thing, first, who they do an interesting costume thing here that I don't think I've ever seen before. He's got the blue pants. Sometimes he wears plant, uh, pants, sometimes he wears the underoos. But he actually just has clearly spray-painted four on his chest. On his chest, yeah, yeah. That's a, It took me a while to catch that. I'm like, oh, he spray-painted that on his chest. That's it, fun. That feels very... T 2000s very much so Man, the thing is such an interesting character because he has just this perfect design that's gone basically unchanged forever he's an orange rock monster yeah yeah his is the really the only design in this whole show that i actually like just because it it just looks like ben Grimm. It, everyone else looks like completely different they look a little different they're trying some things now here's a question about the thing for you and also for everyone listening in the comment section the thing has obviously had a lot of different costumes over the years sometimes he's had like a tank top or a sweatsuit sometimes again he's had the underoo sometimes he's had pants what's your favorite thing costume that he's had because he's had so many I just like him in, like, the pants. It's a good look. He's had some terrible ones, too, like the helmet. 
Yeah, yeah. The helmet's pretty bad. Uh, so the thing in this show is voiced by Brian Dobson, who, again, if you're a big anime fan, if you're a fan of all the ocean dubs and Inuyasha and everything, super prolific guy. In fact, he's part of a prolific family of voice actors. There's three Dobson brothers. They all voice anime. You definitely know his brother, Paul Dobson. Because he plays villains and everything. Again, he was Naraku and Inuyasha. He's a million things. Paul Dobson plays Doctor Doom in this show. And like a million other characters. Nice, nice. So again, the Thing's voice actor and Doctor Doom's voice actor are brothers in this show. Isn't that cool? (laughs) That's cool, yeah. Because Canada is so small, you see. We basically just pick one family by lottery and they voice all the cartoons forever. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so yeah, we talked about the Thing's design, we see Johnny Storm next, the Human Torch, uh, but what do you think about his suit, again, because they got this kind of blue over white thing they're going with. I mean, I don't specifically like it, it's too, there's too much happening. Yeah, I don't hate it, it definitely feels like, hey, this is Fantastic Four for the 2000s, we need to get really modern with it. Yeah is the big takeaway from it. I I also agree. I think the Fantastic Four suits are the best when they're simple. And yeah, there's also like a thing of orange going down their suits that connects to the four itself because only the four's background is orange. It's again, it's it's some weird color choices. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now that being said, again, the Fantastic Four have had lots of different costumes over the years and some are definitely better than others. Definitely, yep. Uh, The voice cast I'm into. I think they get the characters and I think they really get the banter for the Fantastic Four, because, you know, the thing is surly, Johnny keeps busting his balls, Reed has, like, a lot of techno babble, like, oh, these creatures are from the negative zone, I've been experimenting with it, and Sue has to translate his babble. Yeah, yeah, the the, uh, the chemistry between all of the, the characters is great, and it's there. It's exactly how I, I imagine the Fantastic Four would be. Yeah, and in only five minutes, they nail that really well, which I was, you know, like, super into. I'm like, wow, how did I miss this show? They really nail that chemistry better than a lot of other things nail it. This this is something I'm super into. And in five minutes, too, because this this is one of those shows where the first episode is not the origin. This is not them kind of getting you up to speed. They kind of trick it later when the actual, like, main plot starts. But I like this kind of media res thing that the Fantastic Four are already formed when we see them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, Reed and all the others, they get together, they pool their powers, and they manage to take these goddamn Independence Day aliens and send them back to the negative zone where they came from. Yeah. Uh, Now here's another thing I noticed as I look back at this now. There's an interesting bit of eye theory going on here. Reed and later Doctor Doom have these kind of like golden brown eyes, but everyone else has blue eyes. Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting choice. I'm like, is that, is that like them not so subtly being like, ah, yes, Reed and Doom are cut from the same cloth? Yeah, I think may- maybe that, or I think like maybe they were they were planning something where like maybe that there there was going to be some relation or something there yeah, happening. They're secret brothers. Yeah, oh god. And of course, the thing has to have blue eyes because he's the ever loving blue eyed thing. I mean, that's just you know, yeah, everybody yeah. knows that. Uh, it's interesting, too, because we soon get to see the Fantastic Four's relationship with the media and that it's kind of frosty and very, like, you know, 60s, like, oh, they want the scoop on us because not only are we, you know, superheroes, but we're celebrities, too. Yep. Which is a side of the Fantastic Four I feel they have not played in the comics forever, but maybe you can tell no. me because you've been reading more of it than I have. 
No, they've barely been on Earth, so yeah. Well, well there you go. Because, yeah, that was a very Stan Lee idea, where it's like, well, yeah, if these people had powers, obviously the media would want to talk to them and know everything about them. Maybe the second film scared people off from doing it, because remember they did that sort of stuff in the second film, oh, where, like, yeah. Johnny went and, like, got them all, like, sponsors, and That's the costumes right. were covered in, like, advertisements. Oh, shit, yeah, it has been forever since I've seen the Tim Story Fantastic Fours, but yeah, wow, that's, that's definitely a thing, holy shit, you're right. Uh, the, the media has come here saying that they have learned, you know, uh, some shocking news about the Fantastic Four. A brand new, uh, what is it, paper has been published. And, you know, the media is right on top of all, you know, these big scientific papers that are being published in the world of academia. But this one especially because it seeks to imply that maybe our beloved Reed Richards, Mr. Fantastic, actually experimented on his team, unbeknowingly, to expose oh. them to cosmic rays for his research. Reed, Reed Richards would never do something like that. No, no, he would. <laughs> it, it's funny because obviously we, as the fans and longtime readers, are like, well, obviously that's a lie. Obviously that's not true. But also, like, yeah, but that's also something Reed would do and yeah. that they would believe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, too, uh, I guess this show kind of takes notes from the first Tim Story movie, because they talk about a space station and how Doctor Doom sabotaged a thing, mm -hmm. and that's kind of baked into the origin. It's it's, it's like a it's a passing glance to it, but I'm guessing this is kind of like X Men Evolution, where it's like, is it in continuity with the movie? It can be in continuity if you want it to be, but not really. Yeah. That's the feeling I'm getting. So, yeah, the th this horrible piece of news, you know, cuts through the Fantastic Four like a hot knife through butter. They don't know who to believe. You know, they don't know if Reed might be screwing them over. And it's funny, th they do this thing, and this is a total anime trick. It's the first of many anime tricks where they're all sitting in, like, the Fantastic Four's living room in the Baxter building, but they're only being shot from the head up. Yeah, it's yeah, really like close-ups. It's insanely claustrophobic. It's yeah, I guess building tension. Maybe again, you know, they want the scene to be uncomfortable. It's a good way to make it feel uncomfortable to you. But yeah, to me, I'm just like, oh, did did we blow our wad with the big action scene in the beginning, and now we kind of got to like tone it down a little bit for these scenes? We got to cut some corners, even in 2006. Yeah, just real close up so we don't see so much detail. And yeah. yeah, it's funny too. The Baxter Building, as we see it, really isn't that in extravagant at all. Like usually, every other yeah. time we see it, it's this big, over the top building. Yeah, with a big fucking four on the side yeah. of it or something. Well, yeah, here it's just like a little building. They, they have it, but it's a hologram. What I like about yeah. it is later when we see the elevator, we have all the different floors up to twenty, but four is the Fantastic cool. Four yeah. logo. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty cool. And again, you know, the media keeps hounding them and everything. Johnny is all pissed off because, you know, he doesn't know what to believe. And Sue says a thing that I'm sure would have been totally okay back in 2006, but is hilarious now. Where Sue's like, you can't trust the media, Johnny. <laughs> you can't trust the lamestream media, Johnny. Let me turn you on to these streamers. They'll tell you what's up, Johnny. <laughs> yeah, this this guy called Alex Jones on Infowars. He knows yeah. what he's up to. Yeah, oh, wow. Again, friggin' Sue, the Karen of the Marvel Universe, just yelling <laughs> at people in parking lots. 
and then going <laughs> invisible. <laughs> it's just funny in retrospect. And again, jo Johnny's comeback is great. I will say whoever's writing Johnny's jokes in this is pretty solid. Where he's like, yeah, Sue, but half the stuff the media has said about me is actually true. <laughs> you know, because he's a playboy. He's always getting in trouble, you know, Johnny. He's, yeah, he's, he's, yeah. A, he's an irascible, lovable scamp, isn't he? Yeah, he's, yeah. He's a young Chris Evans, don't you know? <laughs> you know, that night I got arrested outside scores when I got into a freaking fight with Chuck Zito. Remember that, Sue? <laughs> no one is going to get that reference I just made. That is, I am an old-ass man. <laughs> but yeah, so the team is ever so briefly broken up. They go their separate ways to think about things. Uh, ben, of course, goes to the home of Alicia Masters, who, in this show, they have reimagined as a cool Soho art hipster who's, like, also an African-American woman. Yeah, oh, well, because she was in the, the That's the right, that's right. I forgot, again, see, it's been so long since I've seen the Tim Store thing. I, I love that they preserve this relationship in the show and show it off in the first episode, because yeah. it's just so great, isn't it, Ben and Alicia? Yeah, yeah it's one of the... Uh... Very few comic book relationships that's just, like, really nice. Yeah, and has always stayed, too, where they're like, look, yeah. you know, we we can't do better than this. They already hit it perfect, this, you know, loving, patient, blind woman and this guy with a body of stone but a heart of gold and she's able to see past it and everything. Exactly, yeah. Again, I, 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 I didn't watch any more of this show because this is the first episode we watched. Hey, in the comments section, tell us, does her father, the puppet master, show up? Because that's cool. Yeah, that'd be cool. Again, what's their take on that in this universe? Again, I always think if they do Fantastic Four again as a movie, Puppet Master should be the first villain they fight. Definitely. Because that fits the Marvel mold of like, look, you get you get a known villain, but it's not a triple-A villain, but it's a villain everyone knows, and it's got a cool set of powers and everything. You know, there's a lot of places you could go with it. Mm -hmm. uh, now, not long after that... The different members of the Fantastic Four start getting hounded by these weird Cyclops robots who are green and gunmetal gray. Jeez, I wonder who they could work for. Yeah, ooh, I wonder. I mean, in the Marvel Universe, most of their supervillains do have green in their costume. That's true, isn't it? Yeah. It could be most of Damn, it's the Leapfrog. Ah, Pacepot Pete got us again. <laughs> oh no, Mole Man is here. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently Mole Man is in episode two when I read the synopsis. Apparently if, oh, we, nice. if we only watched episode two, we got Mole Man in episode two. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so they start making short work of the Fantastic Four. We actually get a very cool scene of the invisible woman. You know, she's blowing off some steam walking down an alley there. But oh, the robot can see her and starts shooting at her. So she has to throw up one of her big uh, shields that she shields. does. Yeah. I love that. And she's like, oh, you know, don't push me. I push back. <laughs> <laughs> it's good shit. I'm all about it. Uh, we see Reed in his science room because he's the last one that they grab. I like this one actually does look like usually how it's shown in the comics. Reed's lab, which is just this big metal room that's like everything. Yeah. yeah, everything's neon and shiny and advanced and everything. Yeah, it's pretty much like it is in the comics. Yeah, he's got all his different arms going around. Well, he only has two arms, but it's like he has more because they're big and stretchy. <laughs> you know, he's going around doing everything, and oh, oh, he finds a dark secret. Apparently that paper that was published on him was doctored remotely <laughs> via the internet. <laughs> it was photoshopped. I, literally, it was photoshopped. I, this is so 2006 where it's like, oh, this paper, it was a digital file. Oh, yeah, I guess in 2006 that was still, you know, still pretty new. Yeah. Yeah. I, People I, didn't understand any of that sort of shit. Yeah, I guess, you know, you weren't just sending PDFs everywhere, you know, you weren't just sending those. 
<laughs> word documents and again freaking you know reed richards one of the smartest men in the world i will tr i will backtrace this for i am the cyber police and i will open this oh no there was a virus in this file <laughs> and his entire computer system gets taken over by the appearance of dr doom Yes, a uh, very overly designed Doctor Doom. Yeah, a little bit. It's like, dude, have a cloak, have a trench coat, have a hood, don't have all three. Yeah. It's a little much. The The mask is also extra angular, too. Again, very anime. And it fits with, like, the, the uh, Victor's face that you see earlier. Yes. Uh, in, like, that scene where they show, like, the, the crew of the, the shuttle and everything. Yes. They're just, like, because, of course, yeah. Yeah, he's evil, so his face has got to be pointy. Yep. Now, again, this is Paul Dobson doing the voice of Doctor Doom. Excellent choice. He just naturally has this dark, booming register for mm -hmm. everything he does. He's basically just doing Naraku from Inuyasha, only he's putting, like, a little bit more reverb on. You know, he's a little smoother is the whole mm -hmm. thing. I like it. He's a good Doom. He's a good voice for Doom. He's definitely one of those guys I would pick. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty good voice. His dialogue is great, too. You know, you oaf, you ogre. You know, again, just, you know, putting extra little English and little extra spins on all of his words. It's good stuff. It is, yeah. And, you know, he has come here today because this is all part of his big plan uh, to get back at the Fantastic Four and take over the city. And he's already in prison. The other members of the Fantastic Four with special cells that I must admit are pretty cool in a first episode way to set up like yeah the fantastic four are powerful but they're not unbeatable you can take johnny out with water mm -hmm. ben can be burned with acid because you know that's yeah. still his skin under there yeah yeah an invisible woman she can create shields but if we put her in a small box the shields don't do shit because she doesn't have enough room to maneuver yeah it's funny um Dan Slott did a uh, like before all the stuff that's happened in the comics there was something very similar to this mm. in the comics where like all the Fantastic Four got like kidnapped by by Doom but it was actually like um uh fuck was it it wasn't Mole Man it was someone else I can't remember who it was but yeah they were all in like cells like this where like Johnny has a cell which will like cover him in a special defoliant mm. which will like burn him out and everything right right it's funny yeah. that you know these characters have existed for so long and it's not as easy as superman where it's like hey, you know kryptonite magic that's you know the only things that can hurt him with the fantastic four they've had so long to like refine it because they've been around since the 60s where it's like okay well what hurts them how can you actually you know take him out of a fight and you know bring the drama to it and everything yeah and I think that's pretty cool. Uh, Reed, Reed doesn't even get a science cell. He gets what I can only, you know, call Lotvarian science bondage, where he's, like, hog-tied with a bunch of wires and everything. It, it looks like something you'd see, like, Mr. Miracle wearing. Very much so. Oh, my God. Yeah, Jack Kirby's so proud of that. Yeah. Look, look, all I'm saying is I just really wish Infernal Restraints had sponsored this episode because this would be an excellent place to do an ad read. When I, <laughs> Doctor Doom, want to take advantage of my greatest foe, Reed Richards, I only trust the people of Infernal Restraints. <laughs> the greatest name in bondage. <laughs> I don't know why he's becoming friggin' uh, the ultimate warrior there. By the end. <laughs> But yes, yeah, so the whole reason Doom orchestrated this is he wants to steal Mr. Fantastic's science glove because he too wants to open a portal to the negative zone. In fact, in classic Doom fashion, I discovered the negative zone years before you, Richards. 
Yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, and now I'm going to open a portal to the rest of the world and let, you know, bad shit happen, because that's kind of my bag. <laughs> I, uh, I will say, though, I do actually love the effect of them opening the negative zone from the uh, Baxter building because it like yeah. washes over the whole city and then rays of light come down and like the buildings look like they're shattering. Yeah, it looks really cool. It's a very cool effect, actually. Again, in a show, this this is why they had to do the close-up head thing before because they knew they were going to be spending a lot of money on that <laughs> effect. We also see a lot of anime speed lines to a lot of speed racer for the action scenes. Yeah. Which is funny, because, like, growing up as a kid, I never considered that to be, like, a Japanese thing, to be an anime thing. It's only when I got older was I like, oh, yeah, I guess, you know, like, Bugs Bunny and, like, Flintstones yeah. and shit don't do that. No, no, they don't. No, it's, like, a very, like, Japanese thing. But, again, yes. made by French people. Just French people who really respect the Japanese anime art form. Yeah, French people can be weebs as well. Indeed they are. Again, one, one day we'll have to do Code Lyoko and uh, Cyber Six, which, again, also weeby French people who made that. <laughs> so, yeah, the team manages to escape because they use their power in interesting ways. Uh, Sue tells a hilarious story being like, hey, remember that time you made Ben's soda explode Johnny just by looking at it really hard? <laughs> Which I love the idea that that's a thing that Johnny has to worry about. If he looks at something too hard for too long, it may also burst into flames. Yeah, it can turn, he's got pyrokinesis, yeah. Yeah, Christ, he better be careful if he's just like reading a menu in a restaurant for too long. He can't make up his mind, he'll set the whole place on fire. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. Do you think they always have to travel with like a fire extinguisher everywhere they go just in case? Yeah, Reed's got like some sort of device that'll that'll put Johnny out very quickly. Herbie the robot comes and puts him out. Yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, apparently Herbie is in this show too. As I looked at the voice cast, apparently he's in later episodes as well. That's cool. I love that Herbie continues to be canon and keep coming back, yeah. in, even the weird shit. Yeah. Also, speaking of weird shit, this Fantastic Four cartoon is actually the fourth uh, mainstream Fantastic Four cartoon. Yeah, yeah, I know when we were doing this, I was like, which one are we doing? Because there's, there's like been a, a lot. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, there's been more than a few of these to keep track of. There's, like, the old one from, like, you know, when Captain America throws his mighty shield times. And then there's, like, the one from, like, around Spider-Man the Animated Series times. So there's mm -hmm. been quite a few times that they've, you know, tried out the Fantastic Four. So, yeah, everything's going to shit in the city. Everyone's dying. There's aliens running amok, which, man, to think this wasn't that long after 9-11 and they're already doing, like, a mm. New York is fucked type of thing. Yeah. yeah. Looking back on that, I'm like, boy, I wonder if they faced any, you know, blowback from this. Doom is doing his big speechifying. I'm like, you can't stop me, Richards, because I'm smarter and better and I have a bigger dick and a nicer cloak yes. than you. Only for Reed to be like, yeah, man, don't, don't you know how this goes? Yeah, you might have beaten me, but when you fight me, you fight three other people, only for the thing to come and just punch him in the face. <laughs> punch him in the face, yeah. Uh, and, and they get the best sound effect, too. I have always loved the sound effect. They do it in the comics, too. The thing's fist against, you know, uh, Dr. Doom's metal faceplate. <laughs> that sound, pong. pong, it's all, it, it just always feels so good. Hats off to the Foley guy. He doesn't get paid enough for how good that sounds. <laughs> they they even do that great thing they do from the comics, too, where Johnny and Doom are, like, flying around, and they have their, like, powers bouncing off each other and everything. Yeah. 
and Doom's getting all pissed off that this, like, petulant child is able to actually keep up with him. <laughs> it's really solid. They they actually beat Doom fairly easily by working together, and Ben does a great bit where he throws, like, one of those giant science claws and sticks him to the wall, and it's like, all right, we're going to come back and beat you up later. We got to save the city. <laughs> Love it, love everything about it, and uh, yeah, the big finale is actually them not fighting Doom, but once again fighting the Independence Day aliens and saving the lives of regular everyday New Yorkers. Yeah, like they usually do. Like they do. Again, it sucks to have the Fantastic Four as neighbors, except for when you really need them. <laughs> In which case, it's like, oh god, please save me, Fantastic Four, please save me. <laughs> Uh, it's actually Sue who gives chase to Doctor Doom when he ends up getting loose. Johnny, of course, in classic Johnny fashion, gets a little too reckless, tries to take him out single-handedly, and Sue has to call off the chase to save him. Yeah. So like every Fantastic Four story you've ever read. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> Again, Yost did his homework, he is a student of the game, he knows how these stories go. And credit to him for, like, in 22 minutes giving us, like, oh, yeah, that is the quintessential Fantastic Four adventure. The team has an internal struggle. Doom tries to take over. The negative zone is there, but they all come together at the end. Yeah. And uh, there's a great bit, too, where Reed, to, like, close the portal, has to, like, stretch the entire length of the city. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I, I always love when, like, Reed has to, like, push his, his powers to the limits. Yeah, because it's one of those power sets where it's like, well, he's just stretchy, right? Well, what does that mean? What are the limits of that power? Could he stretch himself around the Earth? Could he stretch himself from one planet to another? Yeah, yeah. And the answer is, like, yeah, probably if the writer could think of a reason for it. Yeah. Though, assumedly, as we see right here, he's basically like a rubber band, so at one point he will reach mass, and he will end up freaking, you know, slingshotting himself violently black, uh, back down to Earth. There we go. We, we need a story where, like, Reed, like, for some reason decides he's going to try and, like, stretch himself to, like, the moon or yeah. something. And he, and he does it, but, like, he snaps back, and, like, the force of him hitting the Earth, like, knocks Earth out of, like, rotation or something. Again, how has no writer done that? That sounds like a great pitch. In fact, I love in this episode, they go, yeah, he stretched himself so far, he knocked himself out before he hit the ground. <laughs> and, like, he lived, because he's tough, and he's made of, like, rubber and everything. He's just got the thing standing over him being like, hey, stretch, and he calls him Stretch, which is great. I love they work all the nicknames in. Yeah. Flame brain, hothead, it's all it's all in there and it's all good. And it's like, well, we saved the city, and now we finally, you know, have the media's ear so we can explain to them, hey, that paper you've been going on about was doctored, and you can read all about it on my blog. <laughs> <laughs> see it's behind a paywall. Exactly. See, that's the future of the internet, you see, you know, you, you know, big news types, you're all dinosaurs. Twitter is gonna eat you alive in the next couple <laughs> decades. Yes, I read Richards have gone to the future and seen Twitter. <laughs> It's going to be really good, then really bad, then really bad again. <laughs> uh, Johnny, of course, has to steal focus, as he always does, by doing his own Doctor Doom impression. <laughs> Which is very funny and just, again, so quintessentially Johnny. Yeah. It's not enough that we save the day and beat the villain, but I'm also going to, like, savagely talk shit about him in front of the cameras. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> they also bring up that Doom has diplomatic immunity, which I like and, again, doesn't get brought yeah. up as much in modern stories as you would think. No, not at all. 
that it's not just enough that the Fantastic Four always need to fight him and thwart his plans, but also they literally can't arrest him. No one can arrest him, which means if the Four weren't there to stop him, he could basically get away with whatever. Yeah, and they were also basically because they're like attacking like a foreign national. Yeah, like that 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 could also start a war. To war. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like that was so important to Doom early on in his career, and then they're just like, Ugh, we've told every version of that story. Yeah, it's been told quite a fair few times. Yeah, freaking just like the bad guy in Lethal Weapon 2. <laughs> <laughs> With his diplomatic immunity. Uh, the final shot, too, I especially love. It's, you know, everything's back to normal. The four have reconciled. And we take one last look at Lodveria, where Doom is all pissed off. And you think, like, oh, he's mad because he lost and he couldn't open the negative zone. No, he's mad because Johnny defaced one of his logos. <laughs> yeah, he put a big smiley face on it. That's a great payoff, because... As they're escaping, Johnny's like, no, 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 wait a minute, guys. No, I'll be around in just a second. And it's like, yeah. what is he doing? Yeah, it's just that little bit of extra petty. Just that little extra fucking... You may have won the, you know, battle, but we won the war, really. <laughs> when you think about it. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, uh, that's the episode, everyone. That's Fantastic Four, World's Greatest Heroes. First time Matt and I have been seeing it. I don't know about you, Matt, but I thoroughly enjoyed this. I enjoyed it, yeah, I thought it was pretty good. This was cool. Again, you know, if I was watching the channels that this aired on back in the day, which that was another problem with the show, it aired very sporadically. Yeah, I, I don't even know where it would have aired here in Australia. It, For me, I know it aired on YTV right before their anime block, because, again, this was this was a weird time in my life when I was watching more anime than I was watching superhero stuff. And I remember it would always just be ending, and I'm like, yeah, you know, superhero stuff, that's never going to take off. That's just going to be weird and niche forever in 2006. At least I got my comics, little did I know. <laughs> but, yeah, I can understand why a whole generation really, you know, kind of rallied behind this one. And I have to say, for your first exposure to the Fantastic Four, it was a pretty good first exposure. Yeah, yeah, it hit all those uh, those hallmarks of the characters. Yeah. yeah, hit all the notes you want. The voice cast is cool. Uh, again, like I said, they basically do all the stuff you would ask later on. We get Ronan the Accuser. We get the Mole Man. We get Herbie. Uh, I think Iron Man and Ant Man are even in this, and even Bruce Banner at a point as a cameo. Oh, nice, nice. I know She Hulk is in it. Yeah, so th which is hey, which is fun because she used to be a member. Yeah, well, I think I see, I saw like pictures of her in like a Fantastic Four. Oh, costume. nice. So. Yeah. Even in that new Gail Simone book, The Variants, they make that joke. She comes to help out <laughs> Jessica Jones, and she's wearing her old Fantastic Four suit, and Jess is like, why are you wearing that? And Jen's like, well, you told me to hurry, and this was the first thing I had to throw on. <laughs> I fucking love that idea that superheroes keep all their old costumes in a closet. They're like, well, I might need it again one day. Yeah, I might need, I might need to become that edgy... 90s person again yeah which again that means oh no that means you know friggin sue has like the weird boob costume and ben has the weird like helmet costume like all the bad ones they have yeah yeah just in a closet somewhere so yeah thank you everyone for joining us again for another retro hero video as always this was a ton of fun I love that we get to do this at the end of every month, Matt. It's a great yeah. kind of palate cleanser for us. Let's us shake things up, do something different. It does, yeah, yes. Uh, a lot sh shorter as well, so we're able to manage it a little bit easier. Yeah, which means I can edit it quicker on my own, give you a break, and get it up in time for the patrons and everyone so they get their own little special treat. And again, hey, if you want to see this show as soon as it's done, before it goes live Wednesday, that's how you do it, by becoming a patron. You can become one for as little as a dollar a month, 
Always much appreciated. Again, hey, uh, Infernal Restraints, get back to us. This show doesn't have a sponsor yet, but it can. <laughs> we'll sell whatever you want, man. It's good. Uh, th this arc especially is great, too, because it's us talking about stuff we've never seen before. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's great to be able to go back and view these uh, cartoons that I know existed, but yeah. never saw. Yeah, and I know our fans like it too, because ironically, this is this is their time frame, so they, mm -hmm. they 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 love it. We get to expand our horizons. It's a real win-win. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know if this is going to be true for the last one, Matt, because oh oh, we saved a biggie for last after poking fun at it forever. Uh, it's getting a goddamn third season and a name change, but we're going to be watching Alfred, or as it is now known, Pennyworth. Pennyworth. Al <laughs> yeah, 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 Alfred Pennyworth, the Batman's the Butler. Yeah. <laughs> That's, we're going to be watching the first episode of that, everyone, which will make it our first, uh, actually, no, a, a second foray into live action. So that's going to be special. So join us at the end of next month for that or whenever the hell we decide to do it. Because like I said, I think the show has enough fans and legs now that we can just trot it out whenever there's like a slow news week. Yeah, yeah. I think we can just do that and no one's going to riot. So again, thank no. you so much for watching and listening. We hope you enjoyed the show and we'll be back again next time for another Retro Hero video podcast. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.